0: Listening to the Big Album Show with Paul Dillon and Dan O'Neill. Octung Baby, welcome to the Big Album Show. I'm Dan. And I'm Paul. Tonight we're discussing the seventh studio album from none other than you two. Released in 1991, Octung Baby was re- produced by Daniel Lanois and Brian Eno and recorded at Berlin's Hansa Studios shortly after the, Ber- the Berlin Wall came down. When we discussed a guest for tonight's show, we thought about inviting Bono on, but we decided to get someone even better than the real thing. Oh,
1: instead, very good,
0: very good. We, we decided to invite Professor Luke O'Neill on. Uh, professor Luke O'Neill is a professor of biochemistry in the School of Biochemistry and Immunology in Trinity College. He is a well-known figure in the media, particularly at the moment, and he is also the lead singer of The Metabolics. So it's absolutely brilliant to have you on the show, Luke.
2: Oh, thanks for asking, Dan. Delighted to take part. And thanks as well to Paul. Looking forward to our chat about one of my favourite albums. That's good, you know.
0: So the the first question is that we have for you is, you said in an interview um, that we read in the newspaper that You'd be in bits if it wasn't for music. And that's held you together during the pandemic. Now, we're getting very deep, very fast. I see this question. (laughs) Um, But tell me this. What do you think it is about music that helps humans negotiate the trials and tribulations of life?
2: I think it's fundamental, Dan. It's a fundamental instinct us humans have as a species, to be honest. And I can plug one of my books at the very start. Uh, humanology I wrote that about three years ago there's a chapter on the science of music interestingly you know and it goes back to the uh, the stone age we love music don't we I think there's a few things happening one is it's very emotional and we all got very emotional during lockdown didn't we and we could laugh we could cry and music helped bring that out in us that was one thing for me you know and just the sheer pleasure of it I, th- I-, I always find um you know, it, it relaxes me usually, usually, you know, my brain goes to a different place when I play music. So so it's so important, isn't it, for our, for our mental health and our well-being.
0: Yeah, and, and you you sing and play guitar, do you?
2: I do indeed, yes. As an amateur, I hasten that as a hobby, but uh, I played music over the years in various bands when I was in college and stuff, you know, and I used to busk on the London Underground. I used to make some money that way, you know. And then, yeah, the Metabolics, that, that, that's a band of scientists and medics, and we play, we used to play at conferences. We'd be asked to play at the dinner at a conference, you know, and then they'd love seeing us scientists and medics get up and play. And of course, because of COVID, we've done no gigs in two years, mind you. But mm. so we're hoping to get back to it again once things begin to go back to normal.
1: Looking forward to that. Luke heard you on the Miriam um, McCallaghan show a number of weekends ago. Uh, and of course, saw you at, at Billy Bragg, though you wouldn't have seen me. Oh, yeah, there, Paul. Very I was there. indeed. Um, I, I mean, thinking about acting baby, I mean, when you cast your mind back 30 years ago uh, to when you first heard it, what was your impression of the album then and what's your impression of it now?
2: Well, I remember Paul uh, Rattle and Hummer come out and it was 88 or something like that, you know, and I was living in London at the time, actually. And me and a bunch of expat patties went to see that movie in Leicester Square and we didn't like it, actually, you know. And we were YouTube fans. ah, oh, this is a bit overblown and stuff. So we're disappointed, you see. And then we love the Joshua Tree, which came out in 87, I think it was, you know. So that was a bit disappointing. We were waiting for their next move, basically, you know. And so when Octone Baby came out, we all got it and played it and went, oh, this is better. You know, <laughs> this, this sounds much... Uh... So something going on there that was a bit different from their previous stuff. And of course, as I'm sure we'll discuss ad nauseum, the anthemic one was on it, wasn't it? And, and that, rem- in my opinion, that remains our best song by far. I think many people agree with that, you know, and then it just rocked out. It was just a very buzz off it, you know. I thought Yeah, our playing was brilliant. So so from the first time I heard it, which was pretty soon after the release, I remember getting it uh, and I thought, wow, there's something special about this album. There's something different about it. And it's always been a, a favorite ever since then, really, you know
1: something that you said off my kind of struck me when you said that you thought the record saved them and i i mean i think that that's not just your take i think that's the take of the band as well and 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 it certainly is the take of many of us who are unapologetic youtube fans um, and yeah. not that there's nothing to apologize for but occasionally uh one one there are there there, there are um there are critics, uh, yeah, there are critics, yeah. rather. But the, I mean, if you look at the road to uh, on Baby, I, I think for me it begins in '89 at the New Year's Eve gig in Dublin when Bono says at the end we're gonna have, we're gonna go away and dream it all up again, and he wasn't happy with, with those shows. Um, or so he said. I mean, Bono was the master of a narrative and a master of a story. So, yeah. um, but anyway, and of course, one of the interesting things that they did in that gig is that that, that became a bootleg tape right throughout the Soviet Union. And of course, they, the band really liked that and they liked the possibility of bootleg and the possibility of expanding their audience. So, between um, that show and uh, the album, you get the um, Clockwork Orange soundtrack uh, to, which was a stage show not a soundtrack rather stage music uh, to the stage yeah. show which which they did and again that wasn't without its critics and um, but they did that and then what they do is they go right to the heart of Europe and I I really love this about you too, the musical geography of it now I'm not sure if that is a, a genre perhaps you could do a PhD in sociology yeah, and UCD, CD absolutely. but it's a it's when when you think about it, you two they started off in Dublin with a more British Irish sound influenced by the the music scene of the time. Yeah. Then they move right into the North, Amer- North American music during the 80s. And, and you very much firmly get that on the Joshua Tree. And then it, they really did it on, on rattle and, and, and hum. But here they plant their flag, if you will, right at the very heart of Europe. It's Brian Eno's idea, I think, to go to Germany. And Eno, of course, had formed there with Iggy Pop and Bowie. Um, yeah. But it's remarkable. They, they arrive in Berlin... is just a classic u2 the way they have this sense of timing and history they arrive in berlin just on the day i think that germany was formally unified i mean this was an i mean i mean can you recall that time luke of that period and what they were doing musically was really trying to reinvent themselves wasn't it really
2: that's right you're dead right Father. i mean i think what was going on there in my view was they needed to go somewhere special to, to to save themselves in a way you know And I think it was, Edge or someone said, domesticity was the enemy of rock and roll, is a famous phrase at the time. They'd get out of Dublin, right? And where do they go? They go to a Nazi ballroom. That that ballroom was famous. I knew some of this stuff, actually, before I looked up my notes, but it's true. So imagine making an album in this Nazi ballroom and the atmosphere. I think Lanois was a great man for picking atmospheric places to record in, you know? And here's a striking thing that struck me now thinking about this today. There's a parallel with the Beatles here big time, Right. Because the beat, and we just seen Get Back. Have you seen this Get uh-huh. Back? No, it's I'm a bigger Beatles fan than a U2 fan. So I've seen Get Back. It's just like that. That was them. You know, the Beatles go to this miserable place. It's a vast, cavernous place. They don't get on with each other. fighting. They record a few numbers. George Harrison threatens to leave. Now, in Hansa, Adam Clayton hands his bass the bottom and says, But you play it. You know, I, I <laughs> that's just like George Harrison in Get Back. And then they realize, Oh, let's get out of here. And and the Beatles go go to the Apple uh, Studio as you know in London. Uh, you two go home and they go they go back to whatever to Dublin and they begin recording again. So the parallel is amazing. And remember, the Beatles were in trouble at that time as well because like they just had the White Album and Sgt Pepper. What do we do now? You know, they were mm-hmm. for new ideas. They go back to rock and roll. Actually, and playing together That was their idea. u two's idea was. Let's get more European, Paul, you're dead right. And then use kind of, you know, more dance tracks and various other effects and so on. And then I think Berlin, yeah, I mean, they obviously loved the, um, the kind of sexiness of Berlin, didn't they? And, and, and the link back to the 1930s and all that kind of thing was in their minds as well. Uh, but as I they kind of backfired if it, didn't it? Because they didn't like the hands in the end and they went back to Dublin. But if they hadn't gone there, probably they could have broken up. There was a real risk. That they were going to break up. If you look at look at what they were saying at the time, so so there's no doubt that that thing. And then and then I know we'll talk about the songs in a minute, but one came out of that struggle, remember? Because that's about the band, I think. It's not about a lover. Yeah, you know? wow. one, but we're not the same. You know, we get to carry each other. That was about the four guys and you too. You see, so and that's why that song is so so real and honest and vivid. I think it came out of a, a painful experience as a band. It was written in hands. I think I think that's the get back, by the way, guys. Right. So so they composed that in the hands together as a group. The Beatles. If you see seen Get Back, that you can see them riding Get Back in the studio. Uh-huh. Together. So I think there's a real. Bono would love to hear that, wouldn't he? But the part with the Beatles is really clear to me. When I, when I looked up some of the history of it, it's really interesting that that's, uh, that was an overlap, isn't it? Yeah? yeah.
1: Of course, Bono has declared him declared you two better than the Beatles. Well, indeed, um, that's right. And yeah. and you know he didn't he didn't do quite do bigger than Jesus or bigger than God, but bigger oh, than the no Beatles. No better no than no. the Beatles is where where he went. I mean, it would be. It wouldn't be correct, really, to say with you two or with Actung Baby that it's all about the music because, of course, they're doing here. I mean, it's so incredibly uh, interesting the idea of parody the irony the idea of sending up yourself i mean it's deeply theoretical and then you get the zoo tv tour that comes after yeah. which of course myself and dan narrowly missed i my first introduction was the pop tour in lansdowne road oh, yeah, a number yeah. of years later um, oh, and yeah. well, if you talk if you took the idea that it's all about the music let's do our top tracks uh, yep. from from the album i think we, we might just mix around all of us i will go first and um, with my third track which for me is probably one it wouldn't be my, my top track on the album but i think for me i mean you mentioned there Lucas, picking up on the point it it was the first track they laid down on the album so there's great significance in it there had been huge tension before you mentioned the adam uh, point but there's also larry of course so you've got the rhythm section almost united i think well you know this is my words uh they, they have a, a view they have a position bono on the edge have a have a position and have view, and of course the Edge is bringing in drum machines. That's the first time they're bringing all that new technology into the studio. Larry's not happy. But once one happens, the whole thing clicks into place. And um, of course, Daniel Lenoir well, had a big role in that, in the sound of it and creating that sound. I'm not going to do the sound. Uh, Dan knows I, I don't do the sound very effectively, but you know, that sound it's deeply influenced by the producers as well. And it's it's a terrific tune. It means different things to different people. And of course, they've talked about what it means at different times. The, the, the track one, the idea of one, the, this is very early 90s stuff now altogether. There was an invitation from the Dalai Lama to appear at a festival in Tibet called the Oneness Festival. And Bono wrote back saying one, but not the same. And of course, oh. the single became, uh, you know, it, it, the, 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 pro, the proceeds were dedicated to, the, to, the, to the, uh, an AIDS charity and to the fight right. against AIDS. And, and they used that to, to, you know, to promote that cause. But for me, I always thought it was about the reunification of Germany and um, that was all, it was always that in my head i was only 10 at the time um, yeah. uh, and, and I, I was quite aware of that i mean in my, my primary school on the wall we had this huge big you know this old map of the it was the soviet union all red you know yeah. and, and we had the old school map and um, but i recall the reunification so clearly and for me it was about that um, and i got that idea i think from the chipmunks who had done a song uh, called the wall comes tumbling down And so, you know, what what an amazing thing, though, that they did with one where it's about the band and it's about that. It's about their cause. It's about Germany. And it's just also about, you know, you know, the first line for me, it's like childlike says, Is it getting better?
2: Yeah, no. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think you're right. But a great song will have that. It'll have several meanings in a way. And maybe unintentionally, it became three or four different things to us all. It's about a love affair breaking down, probably. It's also about the four guys together. And you're quite right, Paul, it must, the unification of Germany, we're one again, you know, that kind of notion. And then we can't avoid the Christian uh, message, we get to carry each other, you know, that, 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 that's a, a single line. that yeah. describes. And we all know there's a Christian element to this album as well. So, so that, that's a really fascinating line to describe what Christians do for each other, isn't it, in a sense. So, and that chorus is just so simple. And, and what gets me about that song is the lyric is really simple, actually, quite right, Paul, you know. I mean, it, it, it's just, the greatest songs of all have huge simplicity in them and yet great depth, and one manages to achieve that. And it's very dark. I mean, it's extremely depressing, the verses, you know? Uh, the chorus is uplifting, but, but good God, the, you know, the, the, the verses are, are really bleak, aren't they? You know, and that, that takes confidence, I think. And, and that mix is what makes that song genius in a way for me, the mix of the, the light and the dark, I guess, is what I would say. Yeah,
1: it, it, it is, and, and, and I mean, Bono, of course, always highlights that. It's about that lyric get to carry each other rather than got to to carry each other and 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 it isn't it it is it is a brilliant lyric and sounds so good life my other two top two tracks would be and I had some difficulty choosing the top ones but my other two top ones are zoo station and even better than the real thing and i i can't really i can't really describe how good for me zoo station sounds and you know that it's the first track on the album and it just introduces the world of the album but for me you it sounds like a car cranking up you know that beginning yeah. and in it goes and you know where you know the lyric is tremendous and a zoo station so you know the heart of of West Berlin the the biggest train terminal at the time uh, I don't think anymore but the biggest train terminal yeah. in West Berlin at the time and it's the idea of the zoo and of course they follow the up with, with zoo TV and um, but also, what's interesting about it is the personal side of it that in you two's lives, I mean, different things are happening in the background. So Edge, uh, you know, was going through a marriage separation or had gone yeah. through it, um, but Bruno, of course, had become a father for the second time in July ninety one. Um, yeah. And, you know, you can see that maybe a little bit in the title, on baby, warning, baby. But, you know, there's a the lyric there. I'm ready, to, you know, I'm ready yeah. to be alive, I'm ready to push. So, I mean, I just love, and I, I absolutely love the lyric, but I love the rhythm section and particularly what Larry does with the drums there. I mean, I think this is Larry's revenge against the machine because yeah. when you see the zoo tv tour and if people haven't seen it go, go watch it again on youtube watch that sydney tour i mean a mate of mine yeah. w- watched it a few weeks ago so i could not believe how good it was but listen to the drums and the drumming and how larry drives the band it's just yeah. terrific is, my, is,
2: is he raging is he raging against the machine there
1: Paul? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but but <laughs> But my final, my final sort of uh, take on, on Zoo Station um, is that it sets the atmosphere for the record. So the lead yeah. single, the fly, you know, sets the sets the tone as well. But it just sets an atmosphere out of through. But even better than the real thing is my top track uh, on the album. Um, Interesting. I mean, yeah, it, yeah, yeah. It has a set. It, I mean, the band have, have likened it to the Rolling Stones, um, and you can see where you, you can see that influence the guitar riffs. But for me, you know, the, the best part of it is the lyric and the chorus. And yeah. the idea of even better than the real thing. And again, there's there's all sorts going on, there's all sorts going on there. But he I think it was Eno, the the, the track had been around for some time. I think going back to the as far as the Rattling Hum days, uh, though certainly wouldn't have sounded any, any appropriate on that record, but I think it was Eno had said, you know, this is even better than the real thing and Hell's even better than the real thing. But the great thing about that track is how good it sounds live. And, yeah. and if you cut, if, if people remember the 2010 Glastonbury concert that you two did, it's just a terrific tune. But they for that gig they broke off the 360 tour. That was the one with the claw for people who are who are who may be forgetting. Uh, they broke off 360, did this Glastonbury show, which they didn't need to do. But there was a lot of pressure and controversy around it. There was a, a protest in the crowd by the people had a little banner that said you pay tax to question mark and had to be taken down all of that or was taken down rather than had to be taken down but they, they that night they recreated the sound very much of that early 90s u2 it, they looked that way they sounded that way and that track just sounds so terrifically good so it gets probably my top track uh, on the album we'll go to you first for your top three and then we'll go to dan yeah
2: yeah it's very difficult they're all great the thing is when you have a great album like, uh, if I dare mention the Beatles again, there's not, not a single weak track on Revolver, for example, you know? It's yeah. the same with this album, actually. They've all got their own little uh, little quirks and little uniquenesses. And uh, and again, the diversity of sound is superb, I think. So it's quite hard, isn't it? But you're right though, well uh, Zoo TV and the opening track. Every album has to have a great opener, you know? And it's a superb opening track. But I wouldn't have it in my top three. I'd have it in the list, all right? I think my, my third, is even better than the real thing, of course, yeah. Mysterious Ways, you see. You've got to mention that one. That'd be number two for me. And I know that I know that these are some of the singles that came off, but they were they probably were the best strikes out of those singles. Ways is the edge at his best. I mean, it's a very simple guitar line, isn't it? You know, and the way it connects with the drum beat again—that's classic U two in a sense. And then Bono comes in with a fantastic vocal. you have got to always mention his uh, his skill as a singer is superb. You know, and then and then the whole notion of uh, mysterious ways. I think um, it's dare I use the word U two are sexy for once. You know, because <laughs> it's kind of a a kind of a funky little riff going on and and obviously remember i think there was a video wasn't there with the dancer she ended up marrying Edge or something maybe that was another dancer, but a dancer yeah but all that sinuous movement i mean that's that's not you too from the past is it so for me mysterious ways is kind of a clarion cry we're changing we changed you know mm. we're going to move on to our next phase if you like and we're quite happy to embrace what's real sexy rock i suppose you know and i think one of the influences i read was the likes of madchester and that sound came into it a bit you know that kind of trip hop sound and they're able to build that into that sound so that, that'll be my second and then and one one has to be the first one though i have to go back to my favorite one inevitably i think when, when when the history books get written very often we wonder you know what songs will remain in 100 years time from these bands now all the songs are there is the problem so you can play them all uh with the beatles you might end up with six or seven songs in the end uh one will be there with you two for definite as possibly in their top two or three, shall we say? So I've got, to, I've got to have that as my number one. And and do you want a scientific reference now, lads? Are you ready for this? So when that song, when the album came out, I work on a thing called IL one, right? Now IL one is a part of the immune system, and there were several types of IL one. You know, they're one, but they're not the same. So that's that's that's, that's love it. As true scientific nerds, we could talk about IL one and other IL ones that were not the same. But you know, so so for me, one has to be the, the top one, right? Really.
0: Excellent, excellent. I I, I I, agree with you definitely that uh, Mysterious Ways has to be in the top three. Um, and it's interesting that you say it's sexy. I think I, I agree, it is. There's certainly a groove to it. The Manchester vibe is totally there. You know, if you think of, say, um, an album like Scream a Delica that was out two months prior to this, like this song fits absolutely perfectly side by yeah. side with that whole kind of genre that whole uh, early 90s sound or late 80s sound um, but the funny thing is about you too is that they can be incredibly sexy and at the same time kind of squeeze in their kind of preachiness into the song <laughs> yes. because <laughs> Ultimately, like when when I hear "Mysterious Ways," sometimes I just hear a, a straight kind of uh, gospel song, except yeah. they've changed the gender of the, the, de- the deity, you know, to it to a woman. Yeah. But if you if 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 if, if uh, Bono was singing, "He moves in mysterious ways," it would just sound like a, a, a gospel song, you know. Um, I think so it's, it's a, I think, a, think it's a
2: biblical it's a biblical line, isn't it? Then he moves in mysterious ways, just wonders superform, or something like that. yeah. So there's no doubt you're right. The drawing on that. If I say dreaded Christian thing. I'm not not being a fan myself of that side of their music, but, but it draws on that, doesn't it? Yeah, which is very clever. And it does it in a way that's really compelling, I think, because, you know, I mean, God is probably sexy, lads, remember? So, <laughs> so the fact that they build that in, yeah. another example of how they're being very clever there. I think as well, what you say, that's very important. To make an album commercially successful, it has to be at the right time, remember? So I think the trouble you two have nowadays is they can't make music that's contemporary anymore, really. You know, that album, Actung Baby, was really contemporary. It was in the, it, the, the sounds on the radio was consistent with what was going on at that time, you know, and that, that probably ensured its success and sales and so on, you know. So it's, it's a difficult balancing act. You can't be too innovative because the, the fans and other people not like it it's got to be sort of a you know going along with the current, currency of the day really and, and, and Octone Baby fits in perfectly to that early 90s uh, uh, sound I
0: guess spot on and, and, and I love um, your comparisons between the kind of creation of this album and the Get Back movie that everyone's watching at the moment and that scene you mentioned where Paul is sitting down with his Hoffner bass and he's yeah. strumming away on it and then Get Back emerges yeah, within about like two minutes it's incredible to watch <laughs> And when I was doing a bit of research about this album, I heard a quote from Bono when he was talking about creating the songs for this album. And he actually talked about songs as kind of things that kind of emerge in a room that and he said he has great respect for songs and less and music and less respect for uh, songwriters and musicians, because songs are kind of entities in and of some uh, in and of themselves you know that's uh, this kind of weird uh, semi-spiritual way of looking at music yeah. that he has but sometimes like when you when you look at mccartney creating music or you, you hear wonderful songs uh, from the likes of you too there is a little bit of that in the way it touches the secular soul uh, at least if there's such a thing and um, so yeah. it's I, I love those comparisons and i think i, I wouldn't I'm, I'm a massive beatles fan as well oh, so i wouldn't man. say uh, i wouldn't say you two are, are better than the beatles but i think think and um, the comparisons are very very fair because they, they, they're obviously both incredible bands in yeah. terms of the, the reach and it's, uh, a great, it's, impact. A, it's,
2: it's, it's a great point dan something magic happens with musicians when they play mm. together and it's very hard to be you can't be scientific about it. let's start with that because it's something really weird i mean they click for some reason and you're right when, when harrison's watching mccartney banging on the bass and you can see something happening there between them there's eye contact and they're, and then when, when they roll all one it looks like the four of them were together there you know and mm. the and lots of U2 songs, as you probably know, begin with a jam of some kind, and someone tries something, like I respond. It's it's, it's true synergy between the four. Actually, I I suspect what's going on, and you get You get a piece of magic, but you can't possibly, yeah. you can't you can't plan for it. You yeah. can't oh, let's turn up on Monday morning and write a great song together. You know, so it's very it's very unusual, isn't it? And U2 yeah. absolutely yeah uh, reach that with, with, with one.
0: I remember someone pointed it out to me in real life one time, right? I went into a Donahoo's in Dublin on a Sunday and there was a session happening and I brought in my bazooki, and I sat down and I was playing with them and I, I'm not very good now, but so they were very nice to let me sit there yeah. and play with them, but we were playing away and just after one of the sets of songs, the guy next to me touched me on the shoulder and he said, did you, did you see that Dan? And I said, what? And he said, Did you see that moment when we were playing that music and everyone kind of knew what was coming next, what was yeah. happening? And I said, well, Yeah, I suppose you, 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 you I know what you mean. And he goes, You felt it, didn't you? And I said, Yeah, I did actually. And he goes, That's the magic of music. That's yeah. it. Yeah. And and there, there is something very, very exactly special it. about yeah, yeah. it. you know. Um, so, yeah. so 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 there's a real life experience. The other two, before we move on to the to the, the the quick fire round of questions that I would pick, I love zoo station as well. I think it has aged really, really well, I think it just kicks off the album and announces that you two are going to do something very, very different from what they did in the past. I think back to Paul's point earlier on about some of the other songs alluding to the whole um, reunification of Germany. To me, I hear this is kind of almost um, uh, Bono Putting himself in the the headspace of someone in East Germany looking towards capitalism and going, okay, I'm ready to party. Uh, show me what what I've been missing, you know. And that's what I hear hear from it. And um, so I, I I love that one. I love the distorted the guitar. I love the distorted vocals. I know it's very very cliche. And I, Dave Fanning referenced this on his podcast about it. But um, there's songs on this album that you have to listen to with headphones on. And Zoo Station is one of those because there's sounds on the track that pan from ear to ear as you're listening to it. And it's really, really, really good. And the other one then that I like, it's a toss up for me between like, One is brilliant, obviously, and there's so many great songs, they're all good, but I love Even Better Than The Real Thing, and I love, I'm going to pick End Of The World just because no one else has said it, (laughs) Um, because I like the way um, the drums are funky, again, it's a bit of a nod to the kind of Manchester vibe, a little bit of hip hop vibe, but the vocals are dark um the 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 theme of the song is kind of dark and strange and and, and preachy uh again um but i think it's just a, it just sounds great as a song I, I
1: i agree dan it's terrific in in my head when i first heard that for some reason i conjured up the image of uh bono encountering the devil and yeah. that, that's what that's what i encountered yeah Oh, yeah, the, the the devil as you as he would have been known when I was growing up. It, yeah. You know, I haven't seen him in quite a while. I was down the road just passing time, but it is it is a terrific uh, it is a terrific track. And again, one of the great things about that tune is how good it sounds live.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's the, that's a that's a really good skill, isn't it? To turn an album. The Beatles couldn't have done that, by the way. Let, let, let's give you two a shout out. There we go. go. There's no way the Beatles could have performed. You know, the Abbey Road second side live. That's sort of you know, it's unlikely anyway, isn't it? Mind you McCartney does it, doesn't he? So maybe they could, but um you're right that the songs, the songs really translated very well into a live audience. And I guess they were written they were written for a live audience, I bet you in their minds. You know, they wanted to go and perform these, didn't they? Because the live performance was a key part of what they were about. So it was was consistent with that ambition. Yeah. The,
1: uh, Dan, do you want to go to our our top our questions for Luke now? Our uh, quick fire rounds?
0: Yeah, let's let's do that. This
2: is uh, now, Dan, this is... I hope this is a multiple choice question. I'm used to <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> no, this is this these are all designed to put severe pressure on you now Luke so uh, right. I hope I'm ready. You, I hope you're well prepared right okay so first question what is your favorite u2 song not on this album
2: oh Jesus that's a hard one now hang on, hang on a minute <laughs> that's a tough one. um let me think for a second do you know what? go all the way back to boy i think I think that that, that was a uh, and I would even say I will follow isn't that amazing mm. And I'll tell you why, because I was only 17 when that came out and just to cut through all the crap. And it was such a simple riff on that guitar with Edge, you know, guitars at that time had kind of gone out of favor. A lot of electronica was happening with, uh, you know, fake music in a way. And I just thought that was super. But there's a strange one I will follow. But I could pick 10 songs down, to be honest, because each album would have a classic. But I'll go with I will follow. Spot
0: on. And what's your favorite song outside of you two?
2: Oh, these are very hard questions, aren't they? It's like choosing which child you like most. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's that's on my list as well. (laughs) well, (laughs) I I do know it's A Day in the Life of the Beatles by far. That's by far and away my favourite Beatle track and my favourite track of all time. And again, because there's five different things going on in that song, you know, it's very complicated. And it's a great sort of bit of surrealism and all that and different styles. There's like five different songs in one there. So A Day in the Life.
0: Yeah, it's a, a brilliant song. We were talking about that song last week because we were talking about the Radiohead song Paranoid Android. And without that song, you wouldn't have had like Bohemian yep. Rhapsody or Paranoid Android, right. etc. It's, it's, it's incredible. Um, OK, what's your favourite Christmas song?
2: Oh, Lord help us. My favourite Christmas song would have to be uh, Greg Lake, I Believe in Father Christmas. You know that one? It goes, they said there'll be snow at Christmas, they said there'll be peace on it. That's the best Christmas song ever written because it tells us about, uh, you know, I believed in a fairy story, you know. And it tells us the joy of a child. And then it says, you get the Christmas you deserve at the end. So it's a great message. And it's just a great, great Christmas song.
0: That was a wonderful rendition, Luke. This could be the start of, you know, the, oh the, the 2023 big album show, Christmas, uh, Christmas <laughs> single, you know, <laughs> when, when you want to lead vocals. So never said ever. Um, and what, what? how long do you think you'd survive in a zombie apocalypse? <laughs>
2: these are great questions. I haven't asked these questions before, thanks Um. <laughs> A zombie apocalypse. Well, as long as I have st- stored up on lots of uh, milk chocolate bars, I'll survive. Because you know, complete <laughs> food. How about that one? You know? And then I've got lots of vaccines to stop me getting infected by the zombies.
0: Brilliant. A Coddle, yay or nay? Yay. Oh, God, yeah. Love coddle. <laughs> That's great.
2: Brilliant. And I, I take very it- Very warming, very, very sustaining, very, very wonderful, simple, nutritious food. So definitely, yeah.
0: Yeah, brilliant. And you, you don't cook your sausages before you put them in or anything. Oh, God, just... no.
2: No, that, that's yeah. for cowards.
0: Absolutely. here, they
2: got to be a bit slippery, you know?
0: <laughs> What's your favorite fact?
2: Oh, my favorite fact. Well, my, my current favorite fact is just tonight, we've learned that the immune system will beat Omicron. So we don't need to worry about that variant as much. Literally 20 minutes ago, a study came in from South Africa Saying that you're getting what's called a T cell response against Omicron. So, there's a, a recent fact for you that I would give you because it's in my mind with that. You know, there, there's one for you.
0: Oh, brilliant. Well, it sounds good anyway. Yeah. yeah. That, it sounds like good news to people. Oh, it's to good news. Label. Yeah,
2: yeah, very good. Well, of course, it's always a, it's always what we know at the moment. It might change, but uh, but it's another piece of good news
0: about that particular malignant version of SARS. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, do aliens exist?
2: Yes, I think they do. And it's only a matter of time before we, we might, we may never find them because they're too far away. You know, <laughs> by the time they get to us, we'd have destroyed the earth. So see them. But the, the, the chance of life uh, evolving elsewhere is almost certain because there's billions and billions of planets like the earth out there, you know, same conditions. And life is just a chemical process in my scientific mind. Uh, and there must be life somewhere else. Who knows what it'll be like? Let's hope it's more intelligent than us.
0: Yeah, there might be a band better than the Beatles out there. You, you never, never know. know, Jesus in
2: a parallel universe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, they're the Rolling Stones now. <laughs> Go ahead
0: on that. Lennon or McCartney? Oh, Lennon, no doubt yeah. about it. Why? Well, you, as,
2: I, as I got older, I've warmed to McCartney more. We're, we're reconstructing McCartney. He was hated for so long, you know. And we're all warming to him again, aren't we? Um, I just saw some recent stuff. Did you see there was a whole night on BBC the other evening and it was brilliant, wasn't it? No, Lennon is the key guy because he had such honesty. I think John Lennon's key strength was pure, unvarnished honesty, you know, and and his intelligence. They they were the two things. And Not that McCartney doesn't have those, but, but Lennon edges it slightly for me
0: i I read recently that McCartney said that all his songs um are based in eroticism, and I couldn't help thinking about the frog chorus. I was like, what the <laughs> hell where did Where did that come from? Who um, writes your script?
2: That's very <laughs> good I like that I like that
0: <laughs> and then um the, the the last last question I have for you what is your big hope for twenty twenty two Well,
2: you know what it is, don't you <laughs> Obviously, we, we put this behind us, this horrendous pandemic, and, and we carry on with our lives. It's so important. And I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful and I'm also extremely confident that science will allow us to do that uh, because it's been a miserable two years for all kinds of reasons. Mental health, the economy, school kids, everybody. It's been horrendous. And so we, when we come out of it, it's a big celebration. Let's get you two to do a gig, actually. Yeah. Uh, Botics can play support. Um, I guess and, and we'll do it in Croke Park or somewhere get that, that, Garth Brooks for me, yeah. <laughs> just to celebrate and remember Dan if I can finish at the moment with a good line for you you know we get to carry each other through this pandemic remember that's yeah. the
1: thing you know <laughs> well, you know it's, it's, it's interesting that you, that you should say that about the, to carry each other through the, the pandemic I mean one of the things that interests me most about the response to the pandemic is that you just can't beat it alone you can't do it alone um, and suddenly all our behaviours are interdependent. And suddenly, I mean, you see the role. And, I, you know, Michael D has talked about it, our, our president, uh, Billy Bragg has talked about it. Uh, but you suddenly see the role of solidarity and yeah. the need to do this, not just for yourself, yeah. but for a greater good.
2: Well, exactly, Paul. And Billy, Billy as you will remember, maybe at the gig, he made a great little speech. He said, look, he said, uh can't come in because they're not vaccinated he said that's to protect them from getting vaccinated by the people who are in you know because they're getting infected It was a great line you know and then he said more more seriously he said look he said he's into liberalism he's into individual but this is for the greater good he said it's very simple you take a vaccine for the greater good you know really captured it as well didn't it so you're right it is about everybody together it has to be this this community thing because otherwise you know, and, and obviously we've seen. I'm very proud of, of Ireland, actually, because the Irish people are very decent, and we have looked out for each other mainly. You know, and got us through this so far. Yeah. We'll continue on.
1: But, but you can, you you can see uh, in, for example, let's cast our minds to you know elsewhere, for example, in Britain, and some of the role of the and and in fact, let's be honest about it, the role of the far right you know, and that kind of, you know, on the various spectrum. But I mean, just I'll just take someone like Nigel Farage, for example, who's yeah, yeah. an extreme individualist, actually, is what he is. He's a deep yeah. admirer of the Tartarism and, and that philosophy. Yeah. And he has that sort of skepticism and about, well, I will do it this way and I will go here and I want to do I want to do this thing. and it's very much constantly looking, perhaps, uh, and a very individualistic uh, way of looking at yeah. uh, society. But two takes that I have, just in general, about this uh, album that I wanted to put to yourself, Dan and, and Luke, as well. The, for me, when I listen to this album, I strongly am of the view that I can alter your mood, um, and I think. I'd like to hear both of your your takes from both of you, what you think about can music, I mean, you know, maybe music can't change the world, but it can alter your mood. And and for me, this album, when I listen to it, I do a lot of walking these days, it fills you with energy. You cannot help but feel just full of energy. It just has that effect on me. But the other thing I wanted to put to you about is that an album like this, amazing as it is, is almost impossible to conceive in 2021, just about to go into 2022. And the tour is almost impossible to conceive because now... So much information at our fingertips. Zoo TV hinted at that; it yeah. was a kind of a, a a warning shot, almost at that. But now that looks old-fashioned. You know, you see that they, they did this interview with Pat Kenny, and they talk about the amazing technology which allowed them to call up and get pizzas delivered. And he put it on the screen and how advanced that it was at the time. But there, my my two takes. I'd like to hear what both of you, both of you, think uh, about about that.
2: Yeah, there's no doubt music can absolutely shift your mood completely, and I'll, I'll be a bit down the dump sometimes if I stick on a piece of music I love bang, you're in a different place entirely you know, and you listen to it, it's great, and an album especially, I mean, I think, another thing to say about this is, the sequence of the tracks on Oxfam Baby was very carefully worked out I bet you, you know, a bit like Sgt. Pepper again, I suppose, and other albums are like that aren't they, this shuffle nonsense on Spotify you know, now I know Adele uh, stopped that, didn't she, she said yeah, yeah in order. we stand yeah that's a great uh, development because I bet you you can't play this on shuffle really you know I think if you play it through from start to finish it's like going to a show basically and the different moods and and as, as you said Paul the opening track gets us up doesn't it and then we're off you know and they we'll go down you know the famous advice for a set list in a gig is have W shapes you start with high you go down to it back up for the first half then down again in the big finale, you know, and, and, and that's what Oxfam Baby is. If you look at the tracks, actually, you know, it goes in that direction, doesn't it? So, so I think you're right. And in terms of um, could it be made? To, it's very difficult to know what's going to happen in music, isn't it? We, we need a band like you two to, to do what they did with Oxfam Baby really, and go away and think it all up again, whatever the phrase the Pono had was, you know, and then make it relevant. The, the trick is to capture the zeitgeist always. Remember, you've got to capture what's going on now. And octongue baby was, and, and so was the whole tour, was very much what's happening, you know. Now we need some geniuses, I don't know who it's gonna to be, to go into a studio and capture what's happening now. And it will involve the pandemic, it has to. It will involve the malign influence of, of social media, all the current things that are bugging us, you know. <laughs> a great artist will take that and will use that as inspiration and produce a, a work of art to help us up. And, and ne- never, never, never underestimate the importance of artists for us as a species. They, they say things we can't say for ourselves, you know? And, and you two achieved that in this album. That, that was Bob Dylan's great strength. He was able to say things that, which none of us at the time, people couldn't say it. And if he could capture a singer like, you know, the answer is blowing in the wind. I mean, what a simple line that is. And it says so much. So I'm hoping that that's what that way pop Sadly, I don't think it'll be you two that will make it necessarily, but uh, I want a young band in their 20s, you know, to get in there and, and, and make an album that will be the equivalent of this. I would hope for that.
0: Dave, I was just thinking about your first question there, Paul, and up until recently, I was a sceptic in terms of how much music could change your mood, but I turned on the late, late last, last week. And I saw that Westlife had gotten back together and I was raging afterwards. So it definitely uh, changed did my mood, mood. Did yeah. your mood plummet down? You plummeted. Yeah, pl- plummeted, you know, absolutely. Are <laughs> well, you kidding? True. We love Westlife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, if they come on the show, we'll, 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 will give them a hearing. But uh, yeah. Yeah. But uh, the, the, the other thing if, if, about can this album be made again? No, I think I'd agree with, um, uh, I agree with you, Luke. That um, something something needs to be made again. That's as uh, revolutionary. That that yeah. kind of uh, shakes music up. I think we need it. And um, I don't know about young bands though, because uh, the Metabolics might give it a good uh, know, a, a good go. You never know. But I, I'm I'm particularly interested in the point you made about the kind of importance of music in terms of kind of expressing society's kind of uh, feelings and. Academics often write about the effect the Black Death had on art and music and culture of that period of history in terms, if you look at the art and there's very kind of, a, you know, there's pictures of skeletons and all sorts of imagery in, in the art of, of that period. Do you think that this pandemic is going to have an impact on music in, 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 uh, presently and in the future? or or not
2: i think yes you'd, you'd hope so um, i mean it's a bit difficult to predict it in a sense because now the black death and, and, and the 1918 pandemic actually is the last big one that inspired jazz they, they think now because the friend of jazz was this release from this awful burden of death that was going on in 1918 1919 they reckon and the charleston that crazy dance they reckon was just a, a joyous thing you know so so maybe we'll get a type of jazz out of this i don't know that'd be great like a new musical form might emerge. It would be wonderful if we saw that. And, and it happens, I think, because we all have, we all respond differently to things, don't we? Now, if I'm a scientist, I'll respond in a scientific way and try to do science about COVID. So my lab, we work on COVID in my lab, obviously. But if you're an artist, you're going to use it in a different way. And Billy Bragg, in fact, I remember Billy sang a couple of songs. Uh, I think and it, what really was emotional was, he wrote, he's written a song on a million things that didn't happen, right? Like funerals, you couldn't go to our weddings or all those things. And it's a very emotional song, you know? So we may well get a bit of art and, and a bit of music coming. Out, I would hope so. But again, it's hard to predict, isn't it? What we really need is the sex pistols again. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, who just but, came uh, out of nowhere
1: and bang. I, I wonder perhaps though, are we looking in the wrong places? Because maybe we're looking at a new world with with old eyes, because I, I'm not sure. And it is the format that I'm dedicated to, and it's certainly the format that 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 I will um stick to is the album format and the band and the you know the the live shows but but i mean you know the, to quote i think it was Diane on facebook where she said music has changed you know it, 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 everything changes and it evolves and people consume things in different ways and they produce things in different ways and art evolves and it influences people in different ways i i had a i, had, I suffered a bit of nostalgia when i was researching this record because i was looking back at videos around when 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 the record was launched and there's a terrific one that MTV did in, in Dublin with Dave Fanning and it's got the old HMV up on yeah. uh, Grafton Street and that was very much my experience and I think maybe all of our maybe youthful yeah. experience of going to the record store Things have moved on and changed. I mean, it's, it, it 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 doesn't mean it it, it, it. it you know, it's not necessarily better or worse. Um, but it's just hard to see a singular album having the kind of an effect that Actone Baby had on music. It's just hard to conceive that for me.
2: Yeah, it is. Yeah, and you're right, though. See, there's one worry I had that music is kind of um as an art form it's kind of peaked. We've been saying this for decades, mind you, haven't we? You know, but maybe the need, to, get, to get innovative in music is very difficult now. Because we, we know all the chords, really, and the and, and the different ways of doing it, you know? Uh, and it's been reinvented several times. Like, the Beatles were one, and Elvis and the Beatles, and then we had Progressive, and then we had Punk, and then we had, you know, we had all that. You can see, it you two were able to do it, of course. I mean, they did reinvent it themselves to some extent. So, so you wonder how many times can you reinvent music? And to me, as an Elf fella, when I hear new stuff, it sounds derivative always to me now. You know, I, I rarely come across a band. Mind you, my favourite current kind of band is Elbow. I think they stand out as very interesting, you know, but, but overall, maybe it'll be painting or dance or, 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 some other art form, you know, I'm not sure what it'll be, but I'm, well, I, I, I am predicting that humans respond to a crisis in different ways and artists will respond to this one and will begin to produce art that will really resonate with us all. And remember, the reason why it resonates is we all, we all want to escape from this and we all want to express the pain we've been through or the joy we might feel next and, and we do that through art so I'm, I'm sure we're going to see a burgeoning of the arts it's just i don't know i don't, I don't, I don't know what, what format it'll take is the question i bet you it'll be the biggest ever electric picnic for example you know we may have gatherings again you know like like almost like you know whatever like Celts 2000 years ago or whatever maybe, maybe that'll be a big thing you never know because we want to get together again
0: yeah something to look and forward to
1: ab- absolutely and I, I suppose when you when you think about it, though, I mean, I, I, I know a lot of people involved in music and a lot of people in the arts, they feel maybe, do they feel a little bit, I mean, I know Darren Auburn, for example, was so made big complaints about how live music was was treated in, in Britain as opposed to sporting events. I mean, do a lot of people who work in the arts and in music, do they feel maybe that they haven't necessarily been treated too well during the pandemic?
2: I think they've been shafted because of Spotify for years, remember. I mean, it's a disastrous development if you're a musician, for us as listeners, isn't it? But the fact that they can't make money is one big negative, you know? And they feel they're being used then because they, they create a great song and then they can't really get make a living out of it. That's, that's really bad, you know? So they go, that's one grievance they have, I think. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, there's no doubt during the pandemic they were the last people to be thought of. Sport came back first really clearly, and that that was really sort of an example of unfairness in my view and I was I was as you may remember guys I was pressing for EP to go ahead because I thought look bring that back because it it was a good time of the year to have it September you know the virus is right down and so I think they have they have been mistreated now the the great thing about musicians and I know a lot of them as well over the years Paul they're great people remember and and they're very resilient and they're inclined not to complain they just get on with it and want to do a gig and and get out there again and, and lift people's spirits. They're very, they're very selfless in that way, and altruistic. Yeah. You know? So they're, as a community, they're one of the best communities we've got. And, and not just yeah. musicians across the arts, but especially musicians, I think. Yeah. So, so, so I think we'll see, them, we'll see them rise again, basically.
1: Absolutely. I'm, I'm, and I, I love what you said there about the idea of, of lifting people, and particularly the way live bands uh can can do that you know i mean i I mean i love the manic street preachers and i i the effect that they can have on an audience to lift people up um, and, and I mean, Bono himself, I mean, I the Joshua Tree, I've seen but you two. I mean, I think The Innocent and Experience, tour and the e- Experience and Innocent Tour was terrific. I think that duo of albums is absolutely terrific. Those yeah. twins, absolutely terrific albums to listen to. But the best ever tour that I saw from you two, I wasn't I missed the acting babe, I was a little bit young, but I did catch Pop Mart, as I said. But I caught the Joshua Tree uh tour oh, yeah. in in Co Park, yeah. and and I mean, you know. The, there's, there's critics uh, of, you know, you two haven't always got it right. You know, I mean, yeah. I mentioned the, the uh, you know, there's particularly some of the 90s stuff. I mean, there's critics of passengers, which I really like actually, because again, when you see passengers in, I think how it was supposed and how it was intended, intended to be, you know, yeah. you you'll get it and you'll understand it. But, you know, when you see Bono in full flight, like, oh, yeah. yeah. like what he was during the Josh Retreat tour, I mean, there's no one like him in rock music. Right. And, and I think what he's trying to do is lift people up.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and again, the, the word kind of um, that shines through is commitment, isn't it? And, and, and we love committed people. In any profession, if you see someone who really believes in what they're doing, that's infectious in, in a good way. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so you're right. And, and I've seen them live several times over the years. And uh, you always come away thinking that was a very special event, you know, that something happened there. And again, it's like the magical thing in a way. Yeah. And that relationship between a band and an audience is a really special relationship, actually. Whatever's happening, yeah. you know, it works. It's it's one of the best experiences you can have almost. And you two very much were, were 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 very much part of that, weren't they? Over the years, they've always and they've always they've always thought about their fans. I must say, I, I respect them yeah. like well. You know, they always found a good. show. Okay.
1: You know and remember I mean I mean there's so much you could say about this isn't there Dan but I mean a lot of the big youtube tours that they do you know when they play in lower income countries they they, they do that at a loss uh, oh, and yeah, so on yeah. I mean you know i I think there's so much that you could say we, we couldn't you can't cover it all in a, in a short podcast but there's so much more that that you could say i mean uh, about the tours that they do and, and and about zoo TV zoo TV and you know one one of the things Dan and I think maybe you might have a have a feel feeling on this is how would you sum up Acton Baby in terms of you two, and in terms of you know their role in music? Where, where, where does Acton Baby fit for you to 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 conclude on it?
0: Well, it's it's interesting that last week on the show we did um, Okay Computer by Radiohead because if you look at that album in Radiohead's career, it was very much the line between kind of old Radiohead and new radiohead with the kind of you know um move towards more electronic instrumentation and so on and likewise this is a little bit like that for you too And um, we already talked about how the song zoo station really kicks off this album by saying yes we're you too but we're trying something very very new we're, we're we're reinventing ourselves and all of those kind of things and i think in Oktung baby you hear the seeds of U2 to come as well as it being an album, yeah. a great album in its own right like I mean if you think of even better than the real thing you could imagine that on one of U2's uh, later albums uh, and yeah. some of the more you know uh, some of the more kind of uh, industrial stuff kind of only fits on Octung Baby or maybe Pop but you definitely get hints of, of future U2 of course there is songs on the album as well that could fit on earlier U2 albums but this is definitely um where you two say we're progressing on to something different. Um and that's where I'd fit this into the narrative of you two as a band. Yeah.
1: Would you agree? I mean, I, I agree with that, Dan. What would you agree with that, Luke?
2: I would I think the other key thing I would say is as artists, you see, they, they manage to literally reinvent it as well. Now if you're an artist, you want to keep moving forward, don't you? You can't write the same poem over and over again, can you? You know? And and when the history of you two is written, it'll be seen as a key kind of a a milestone of their career where they didn't they didn't quit they didn't break up they, they had to work really hard at it you know like all good artists they kind of had to really struggle and then out of that came this really brilliant album so so for me it's it, it's kind of an example to other artists who might be struggling you know in other words keep you know don't give up uh, get stuck in again try, try and rebuild your relationships with each other in a band and so on you know and then of course remember. I would also say you need to plan it because they brought in Eno and Lamar because they were key to it as well, remember? Wouldn't yeah,
1: happen. very much so.
2: You know, And then the idea of being in Berlin, back in Dublin, that, that notion was interesting as well. I think one of my other favourite stories about the album is um, Eno realised it wasn't going well for them and, and, he, and, he, and he kind of was unhappy with some of the tracks, wasn't he? And he stripped stuff away. He said, go on holidays for two weeks, <laughs> come back. You know, that was a great idea, though. So in other words, it, it, you, the artists need help as well, and they mm. need George Martin. In the Beatles' case, they they need you know, didn't they, hugely for this album. So, but overall, for me, it's it's them at their best in a way because they innovate, they get something new going, they bring the music in a different direction, and it's hugely successful musically and artistically.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I just I really hope that we see a tour. To mark uh, the thirty-year anniversary, yeah. Zoo TV reimagined and 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 and, and let's see uh, what it looks like, and let's see what the alter egos look like. We saw a glimpse of that on the last tour, um, but let, but but let's. But wouldn't it be cr- tremendous to see that again? So, I mean, m- my take is, I mean, we normally give these albums a score out of ten. I'm going to go for a ten out of ten for this record. Uh, I couldn't fault it or take any marks away. What What,
0: what are you going to go for for Luke?
2: Oh well I can't go for ten because it's not as good as uh, revolver or sergeant <laughs> i'd i'd give it i'd give it a nine though get nine out of ten i leave that little one behind for the beatles
0: <laughs> yeah 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 i i i i will back you up on that one i think uh you always need to leave a little bit of space um for for the sergeant peppers of this world so uh yeah not nine for me as well um so out tongue baby huh
1: Yep. Baby. Well baby just we want to say thanks very much Luke for joining myself and Dan here on the Big Album show it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show
2: not at all but it was an absolute pleasure it was great fun lads well done it was superb thanks very much for asking me I really enjoyed it
1: Thanks to everyone for listening to the pod and please remember uh, to like and subscribe we really need uh, your help and support to promote the pod and if you could give us a little retweet at at, at the Big Album Show on social media uh, and share the pod if you enjoyed listening to it we'd really appreciate it Um, but thanks to everyone for all the support during 2022 2021 and we look forward to talking to you in 2022 You're listening to the Big Album Show with Paul and Dan please remember to subscribe hit like And remember to follow us on our social media platforms at The Big Album Show.